Hello, welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Kent CBD. CBD is a fantastic product that helps with all sorts of manner of different things. From aches and pains in your muscles and joints, to your mental health, depression, anxiety, PTSD, eating disorders, sleeping disorders, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. It is so beneficial that I can't even list all the stuff that is scientifically proven that it helps with. And what I use is Kent CBD. It is fantastic. So make sure you check it out. Go to their website, www.kentcbd.org. Put in the promo code Granite Zero at checkout and get 10% off. That is Kent CBD. You're welcome. Now, joining me on today's episode is a former member of the number two parachute regiment, British Army, an absolute legend. So, without further ado, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast, Mike Lewis. Check it out. Well, it's a it's a work in progress. It looks good. This end, the other side is old, mate. It's just a regular shed. The other side, <laughs> this side, I'll get all the all the good Gucci get like yeah. back and all that. But yeah, the other side, you got lawn mower, fucking gymnastic rings for the girl. Come across me then. Do you know what? It, I think it was on one of those uh, people you may know sort of things that like, sort of popped oh, up right. on Instagram, and I was like. That's an, that's an interesting man. And that is a hell of a beard. So yeah, it's getting there, isn't it? It's getting there. Tell you what, I get I get serious beard envy because I can't grow a proper one. <laughs> when I was seven, I literally had um, a big head, obviously clean shaven. When I came out, I was just like gonna grow my hair and grow a beard, and that's been like that since what 2013 now. So yeah, I'm sort of stuck with it, I think. <laughs> yeah, well. Suit you, mate. As a proper, as they would say, Viking-style beard. Yeah, you don't want to see what's underneath it, that's for sure. <laughs> you don't know where the chin starts, mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, we might as well quickly just get the introduction stra- straight in there. So, you're an ex, ex-Ali Warfighter, two-para. Ex-two-para, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. What, what forced you to become a maroon machine, then? Um, do you know what? I, um, think I, well, back when I was about 13, um, joined the whole cadet stuff and everything like that. And then once I was in that, um, just wanted to, I basically wished three years of my life away to join the army. And, um, 
went to the careers office and because um, I was kind of the cadet regiment I was with was all like Royal Anglican regiment. And yeah. that's what I wanted to be. And in the careers office guy was a Royal Anglican. I was like, I want to join your regiment. You know, I know this boat, this boat. And he turned around to me and said, do you ever thought about parachute regiment? And I was sort of like, no, never want to join that, you know, sort of yeah. thing. And then um, he sent me on a course, spent 24 hours with the parachute regiment down old shot. And uh, basically, it's got thrashed and it's got told um, you ain't worthy of being here, basically. So it's about <laughs> yeah. 40 minutes on this course. And uh, at the end of it, they were like, you know, who's anyone interested? And I was sort of like, yeah, I quite enjoyed that. Even though it was a thrashing for like 24 hours, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, but still had my mind on joining this normal infantry regiment. And then um, went down to Perbright for my medical uh, and my fitness. And on my paperwork, it was parachute regiment. And uh, still kind of argued it. Um, came top three um, for the fitness, um, passed the medical, and then the uh, officer did the interview. Was sort of right, right, yeah, you got the criteria for parachute regiment. Still tried to argue it, but uh, on my paperwork, it was day one. <laughs> yeah, field, so that was me. I was off a big fucking stitch up, really. <laughs> yeah, but looking back, I, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. You know, it was um, best thing I've ever done. Um, yeah. a bit daunting obviously day one at the, uh, at the train station I was probably one of the youngest guys there because you know went straight in from school and everything um, most guys much bigger than me much stronger than me but yeah I just persevered and uh, loved every minute of it really so yeah it's mad how things sort of take a sort of take a turn like I, I went into the careers office wanting to be a RAF PTI like my dad and that was right. my, that was my focus but because I'm thick as shit I failed the aptitude test <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, well that, I put myself down a bit there. I, I, I missed out on PTI by a mark, but in my head, a mark is, is a fail's a fail. Um, so I was like, oh, what's the next most physical job? And they went, oh, the RAF regiment. So I, I became one of those creatures. Yeah, but it's one of those. It's, it was one of the best best decisions I ever made because I, I met some of the best people in my life. I met. I ended up meeting my wife because I was in the regiment, that sort of thing, and it, never looked back. Yeah, I got a mate stuck down at sixty three squadron. Hates every minute of it. I bet he fucking does. That was yeah. they when we when we went through um, basics and that, um, and we were getting ready to get given our squadrons. Our two squadrons that were on uh, for our selection phase was a uh, fifteen squadron, which is the one I went to, and sixty three. And it was like, I was like, fingers crossed. I was like, please don't, please don't. I could barely eye in my kit when I was going through basics. So I was like, they didn't fucking get rid of me straight away. I said, my mate, he was, he was like, you know, best of the crew. He was the fittest guy there. He's, he's only been in uh, squadron for about six months. He's done his um, pre-par, you know, he's done his pre-par and everything like that. And um, oh, they still won't send him over to two squadron because he wants to get down to SFSG. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. He's just like um, he's kind of stuck at the moment, and I, I tell you what, I just feel sorry for him because it's just mate. They do that though. That's the thing. Like even when I was, um, well, we were getting ready. It was either when we were getting ready to deploy to Kandahar or Bastion. I can't remember which one it was, but I had it in my head. I wanted to become a, a air signal. I wanted to be TAC P. I wanted to be a JTAC. I was like, that's what I want to do. Because I, I was fairly decent at comms. I was a bit of a comms geek. I was pretty decent at it. And I went, I want to do that. And then it was, no, no, you're staying on the HQ flight and you, you're going to do the radios for the squadron. I was like, hang on. So you're stopping me from progressing in my career because yeah. it's you. And I was like, oh, 
And then that's when the fucking love started to fall out of the job. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, why, why be there if you don't want to do something? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, but they did it with so many different people. Yeah. Like uh, another mate of mine was like, oh, I'm, by the way, I'm going to put my papers in. And I went, oh, no, no, don't do that. We're going to, we'll progress you. What do you want to do? And he was like, uh, I don't, I don't know, pre-power. We'll just say pre-power for the sake of you. Why not fancy getting my wings? And he was like, oh, okay, cool. We'll send you on a Bravo's course instead. He's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do mortars. What are you on about? Uh, <laughs> but that was, was, like, was always the way. He was, was going to get their mobile license. Uh, 20 blokes with their hands up. And it's uh, right, you, you and you, you want a shit job now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, obviously, deployed, was it Herrick 8? Yes. So, yeah, Herrick 8 uh, is where it all kind of went a bit wrong. Um, prior to that, obviously, done Telic as well. Um, but, yeah, Herrick 8 was um, two powers uh, deployment to, to Afghanistan. So, yeah, it was a summer tour as well. So, yeah. Ooh, yeah. So, we were taking over. It was, uh, we took over from 4-5 Commando. So, obviously, prior to that, you had um, three power. And it was one Royal Anglian and then yeah, four or five commando. So yeah, we were we were to go from them. They'd actually had a rough winter as well, four or five. Um yeah. some pretty nasty injuries along the way, which met most of those guys down the headley caught off to obviously what happened to me and that. I but, bet, uh, I bet. but yeah, Hurricane, yeah. But for the people that don't really know, obviously summer tour tends to be a bit more kinetic, am I right? due to the fact that they're yeah, out and about um, yeah it's kind of obviously um afghanistan you know from the winter sort of you know it's it's still quite warm in, you know in when it's sort of sunny now but the wind sort of picks up and does get pretty yeah, cold. yeah. And, uh, a lot of the taliban tends to i would say hibernate but it tends to the the sort of fighting season as they call it tends to yeah. get like, a little bit um yeah, and they go into a bit of hiding it's kind of when the um poppies are starting to grow obviously for their harvest season for for opium they tend to, you know, protect protect their protect their loved crops. So uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, summer tour is definitely a bit more of a kinetic, as you put it, for sure. Yeah. So it's, I say unfortunately, people always say it's mad when when somebody says that. We during my my sort of time in Kandahar and things like that, it wasn't very kinetic at all. We were more of a hearts and minds sort of mission. Go out, yeah. give some blankets and some radios and stuff like that. It's it's one of those where it's like, as a as an infantryman, you're like, oh, I wish someone would fucking shoot at me. Yeah. Like, I never actually, the, the most I really got was I had to confirm on a fucking ID that wasn't, and my corporal pulled the wire out. That was about as scary as it got, apart from a few rocket attacks. What's, it, what's the adrenaline rush like for those that don't really understand? I mean- uh, I, my first contact, we, I, my tour started off up in Kajaki, so it was uh, right up in the north of, of yeah. Helmand. Um, so I always tell people, imagine Helmand's like east of East Anglia sort of thing. It's kind of, um, imagine like Cambastian sort of down where sort of South End sort of is. Yeah, yeah. Up north of sort of like where Norwich is. So I was right up at the dam. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, the dam, it kind of allows all the power and electricity to sort of run Helmand province. And then you got the main um, uh, river, Helm River, and in either side of that, about 50 metres either side of that, you've got what we call the green zone, and that's when all the, obviously, the water, you know, the outs, because it's all been powered off one turbine at the time, 
um, that allows the green zone to then form. Then obviously then allows for the poppies to grow and everything like that. Um, now the turbine, the dam itself, when I was told up there, was only going to be um, run by three people in the world. There's only three people in the world that can do it. And the guy that was there when we was there was some mad redneck uh, ex-Vietnam veteran who had like green lung and all the rest of it. I mean, yeah, he was, I bet. Um, uh, <laughs> his name was George or something like that. And he literally uh, they had an underground bunkers and all sorts of stuff in case it went to Taliban hands. I mean, it's only three people in the world, so the Taliban couldn't run it, but uh, yeah. he missed the embarrassment of losing it. Um, but yeah, so um, our job was really to protect that, really. But obviously we had two front line of enemy troops, FLETs, as they're called, uh, with the Northern FLET, which is a very desert environment, and we had the Southern FLET, which is a very sort of green zone environment. And uh, going down the Northern FLET, it was a case of patrolling out so far, come under contact by small arms, and because it was quite a long distance, so it was our machine guns, mortars, anti-tanks, and the planes that were circling the air that kind of finished the contact. But down in the Southern FLET, uh, forward line of enemy troops, so it was more bit up close and personal and under fire i mean most of the guys started laughing to be honest it sounds pretty pretty yeah most civvies would be like what you fucking yeah. led yeah but uh, honestly most of the guys I mean, my GP, <laughs> the uh general purpose machine gunner he um had a tendency man, once he popped his head up you know, something like the wild, kind of a, I think a bit of a nervous thing, but at the same time is that you've done so much training and so many times you've done over and over this, you actually want to do the job. And I think yeah, yeah. Kind of that, that sort of laughter is an actual point of like, let's get, let's get this job done. So, yeah, uh, this is this is my job. This is what I signed up for. Come get, as the Americans would say, come get some. Yeah, you know, we're, not, we're not quite that yeah. cool to say shit like that. But um, yeah. I think that's a, quite a, a big problem with a lot of different infantry units. Obviously, I'll, I'll use the, my regiment as an example, but never really got to scratch that itch. I think that's a lot of uh, problems come from that. Because obviously you're in a high-stress environment constantly. You're constantly waiting, yeah. and then there's no release. And then you, yeah, get, no, to, and you get to send to Cyprus for a day to decompress. I, I never got that far, so I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, you little Oh, of course not. No, you were, uh, you, 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 pulled, uh, you pulled your signal out instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was living dreaming uh, Birmingham Celio by that point. So, yeah, but did offer, did to take me out, and I just thought, why do I want to be stuck on a beach in a wheelchair with loads of wires hanging? Oh, out? genuinely, they, they offered yeah, to... did offer. I was just like, nah, no thanks. I was still, I was still busted up then. I was still. Having a lot of surgeries at that point, I just went, nah. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, I wanted to get fixed up before the blokes kind of like really kind of took the mick out of me and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, some of, some of the listeners will be like, what are you on about sick note? So, unfortunately, you got friendly fucked, didn't you? I did. Um, by 7RHA. Uh, so, it was a um, 105 shell, uh, an airburst shell. So, it was actually a double whammy effect as well. Mm. But, uh, yeah, something that could have really, um could have been prevented um at the time i mean do you want me to say everything that happened or yeah yeah crack on yeah, Get all so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean just jump in at any point if you want to jump in and ask any questions or anything um but yeah basically so it was about midway through the tour so it was sort of august um so it's at the peak of the fighting season and we'd moved from kajaki up in the north of helmand down towards sangin where the fighting was really increasing um 
and uh, we were backing up C Company 2 para that were getting smashed um, out of um, patrol base uh, Inkerman, um, or it's incoming, as they say. And yeah. uh, the blokes out there were literally having to fight their way out of the FOB forward operating base just to get onto the ground. It was almost like a three, it was a patrol base banging in the green zone. And there was a power station just about 50 meters to 100 meters out to the front of it. And literally the Taliban would park their motorbikes behind this power station and launch their attacks onto Inkerman. Um, so I was part of D Company 2 Power, and we was tasked to take over a patrol base that three powered light were manning. And it, all it was was a compound. It wasn't like, you know, it didn't have anything in it at all. It was literally yeah, yeah. a compound, that was it. And uh, basically we was a, a standing patrol. So we was in between Inkerman and this power station, keeping eyes and ears on this power station. So when they formed up, we could hit them before they had a chance to launch onto the Inkerman. Anyway, um, the, the whole of Hurricane, um, the, the main objective was to get a second turbine into the Kajaki Dam. Um, as I sort of mentioned, it was only running off one turbine. Yeah. And the thoughts were, if there's a second one went into the dam, it would promote more electricity, more power, make the green zone bigger. So that meant that um, locals didn't have to grow poppies for opium, for the Taliban, for heroin. They could grow better crops. So it was a whole high yeah, amount. Actual crops. Yeah, actual crops and actual having you no know, freedom of the Taliban. That was kind of like the the, the goal. Uh, now this turbine wasn't just like a little generator. It was broken down to forty low loaders. I think it was broken down to. So, uh, and that was going from Camp Bastion all the way up to um, Kajaki. So, like I said earlier, it's like going from South End up to Norwich on a forty low loader convoy. You know, it'd be like um, like the Coca Cola truck at Christmas. Yeah, 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 got it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so as you can imagine, it was a big bullet magnet going up through the desert. And uh, our job was to basically push the Taliban back to allow this convoy of trucks to come through. And uh, the, where we was working out of, there was a, a uh, Afghan village nearby, which was a Taliban stronghold. So our job was to go out, cover up darkness, form up behind this village and then hit it at first light. It's a straightforward fighting patrol type of, um, type of attack. And... Uh, Already we hit problems from before we even went out, uh, just as we we're about to leave, patrol minimise was called. So those who don't know, um, an Estonian call sign had been hitting a huge IED and all medical assets had to go and deal with that situation. So no patrolman could take place because there was no medical cover. So we was in our patrol base for the night. Now I was a session commander, so for me it meant gave us more time to rehearse practice, you know, what was going to happen and everything else and kind of, brief the guys up better using models and things like that so we could attack this village a bit better. Um, four o'clock in the morning, the order came down, that patrolman advisor had been lifted and our patrol would go ahead. Now, normally that would be fine, but it only gave us about an hour and a half, two hours tops of darkness and um, it would soon be light and we had a whole company going out and um, would be in full view of the Taliban. Now, normally, as you know, you know, parachute regiment or most infantry regiments are kind of known for carrying weight on their back, moving across ground quite quickly. But because the IED threat and the mine threat was so yeah. severe, uh, as you know, uh, everything slowed down and you can't rush the blokes. No, no, definitely can't. With a bayonet, you know, poking the ground looking for mines and IEDs, uh, despite having headshot in your ear going hurry up get the blokes up there you know you've got to um go as slow as it takes that's the that's i used to hate that like yeah. pulling up at a vulnerable point or if we're on a footsie or whatever yeah. and you're you've got the fucking valens out doing up and they're like will you fucking hurry up you're like 
you fuck oh, then you can't yeah. you get you down here and you fucking do it do you know what i mean it's just uh, it was my pet hate as a commander getting briefed up saying yeah. oh, hurry folks up well, i had it i was uh, i was bomber commander a couple of times and um i had my fucking commander coming over to me saying can you hurry him up i'm like no i cannot no. When i'd rather them not get through it as fucking slow as possible i went i want these guys to fuck not, not that anything happened but i want these guys to come fucking back i don't want to be having to confirm and then trying to get to him when they're blown up oh, yeah i mean i had a gone a bit of track here but i had a, I had a different patrol where um we, we were like a towpath and uh 100 percent there was an ied sitting on this towpath we're getting channeled in down to it yeah yeah of course that's what they do uh, yeah and uh, to the left there was like a poppy field and i thought well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take my blokes across that field because they're not going to put an ied in their source of income no. so i got halfway across the field and i tell you what it was just like walking through camp going across the grass you know i got halfway across and the boss got on the radio and he was like um can you get out can you get out of that poppy field you're upsetting the local telebank come on i'm like oh, looking around and i'm like ah. Going to fucking come down here then. <laughs> yeah, that is one of those. Yeah. You're upset. You're upsetting the poppy fucking Taliban commander. You're like, well, Fine. good. Halfway across, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm halfway across. I might as well keep going. He's like, no, you need to turn around and come back the way you come. And I'm like, I'm not walking through camp, cutting across the grass, trying to get to the cookhouse quick enough. I'm trying to save the blokes' lives. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like, you're mad. And then take my section down there. No, I guarantee it, hundred percent. I, you know, I put my mum's wage on it. They would hit an ID. Yeah. And if not, someone killed. Half a section is going to be seriously injured. And I've got to explain to someone's wife, girlfriend, mum, dad, boyfriend, whatever, that little Johnny's just been blown to bits, and it's my fault for doing it. And I'm not, 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 not fucking doing no, it. No, exactly. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing he was up against. You always felt like you had one hand tied behind your back all the time. You always felt like he was upsetting somebody. But um, but anyway, I digressed. Um, that's fine. Yeah, that's we, digression. We, we, was, <laughs> <laughs> we were just about to um, yeah leave the patrol base. Op minimizer being called, and um, we thought we was in for an But yeah, four o'clock in the morning, it came down um, that we were to leave our patrol base. So it was a bit of a panic because of uh, all this kit equipment, the mine threat, the IED threat. We left anyway. Um, and for this particular um, patrol, we had the Scotch Dragoon Guards as our fire support group. They were in similar tanks up in the high ground. Um, so they were our sort of fire support for this as well. So we set off um, and then straight away on our comm scanner. So that's the, as you know, the, um, the radios we kind of listened to what the Taliban are saying. They just use obviously walkie talkies and we have interpreters and they can pick up on it. They knew we were out on the ground and they're getting into position ready to attack. Us. They, so they, they knew you were out on the ground before you left the fucking. Much. Um, oh, yeah, every time, you know. Um, so, yeah, we're in my section. Um, we was the point section for the platoon for the company. So we was right at the front of it all, uh, moving across open ground in Arrowhead. And then we came to the village and then see the compound, the first compound that we were told that we were going to be taking. And um, it's quite an eerie uh, sight to see. You um, you see all the locals that don't want to get involved. They literally drop the shovels and move the other side of the um, 6, 611, the main supply route that runs through Helmand. And that's not like the M1 or something like that. It's just a piece of that strip of sand, you know, that kind of like yeah. the main through. But yeah, all the blokes, all the all the local Afghans literally go and sit on the other side of there. You know, the Taliban tell them if you don't want to get involved, you know, sort of clear off sort of thing. Yeah, so big big combat indicator something's going to happen anyway we moved in we took over the first compound and um i always say to people like these compounds aren't like you know they're just four walls 
inside, um, there's no roof on them. Inside, you've got like maybe a series of smaller rooms. It's normally a staircase that takes you onto a ledge where you can look over the top of the wall sort of thing. And uh, went up on the ledge, uh, took my GPMG gunner, so my general purpose machine gun. Um, and as we lifted our head up, we could see, um, you always say sort of young fighting males because you can't confirm the Taliban straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> running, running towards the tree line, you know, and all carrying rocket propelled grenades and um, small arms weapons and that as well. Um, so we knew we were about to come under attack and um, got a piece of kit, laser rangefinder, and uh, looked at the wood uh, to see the distance from me to that wood. And um, it was 34 meters away. So it's very, very close. And um, as my GPM journey got in position, we came under um, effective enemy fire, as they say, um, from the tree line. Uh, and that was us, we were, in, we were engaged in a big firefight. And I say all the firefights on that tour, that was probably one of the most fierce ones I've been involved in. You know, the whole wall was just getting smashed to pieces. You know, it was a, a lot of fire coming from this wood. But um, our other platoon, so you had 10 and 12 platoon, they were straight away flanking round and everything was going forward, straight forward platoon attack. It was, um, or company attack, you know, it was like, yeah. As, as you'd practice in live firing sort of thing live firing it was all going to plan yeah as previous firefights before everything was going straight forward um going well and as we were saying we were winning the firefight and everything and then this is when the the foo the forward operating officer for the artillery who sits about 15 meters behind the front line with the sort of the um, the oc's sort of company tap group uh he come on the radio at the company net and he was like uh, artillery's coming in five minutes and i'm like no, it's fucking not. You got. I'm just. You know, it's 34 meters away. Danger close. That, that danger close. That. Yeah. Like you you only want to call that in if you're in the, in the fucking shit. And if you're winning the firefight, you don't need to be calling that in. Even I know that. <laughs> yeah, well, the platoons flanking around as well, so everything was going straight forward. And then, um, see, the thing was um, behind where the Taliban had hit us from. There was another village behind that. Yeah, yeah. We'd never been that far out before. We never. We didn't even know who was in that village. You know, it was innocent people. Even if it was empty, the Taliban could say that you know, collateral damage that we took out yeah. 400 civilians. So we had to be very, very careful what we were doing. And we had planes circling the sky as well. We had um, two American um, bombers. Uh, it was a French plane up there as well. And they're all circling. They're all saying, we can't drop because of the village behind. We don't know what's in there. So I've told the forward operating officer, do not fire, do not fire. You know, we're only 34 meters or three, four meters away from the target. Two other corporals have come off the net as well and said exactly the same thing. So between the three section commanders, you're looking at 30 years experience on the ground there. Yeah, yeah. And um, went quiet for a couple of minutes. And the last thing I heard on, on the radio was, um, get your guys' heads down, it's going to come in close. And I've just gone, fucking hell, seriously. Oh, and then uh, heard three, heard three, heard the, the cannon sit or the guns sit about a mile away in the desert somewhere and uh, heard three, three shots go off a dun, 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 like that and the first one landed behind us and I thought at first we'd been outflanked I thought the Taliban had got in behind us and were fucking RPG in their way into the compound we was in it wasn't until the second one landed between us and the tree line that I realised it was our own, own artillery uh, and when the second one landed it hit my GPMG gunner hit him on the arm and everything like that and hit my Second in command, uh, my two RC and my, uh, my best mate um, hit him in the head. I thought he killed him outright. He actually went on to, he survived but suffered a horrendous um, traumatic brain injury. And then I was at this point, I said to the blokes, get off the wall, get inside the compound, get into hard yeah, yeah. cover. And 
there's a wall between me and the other side. And then the third one landed on the other side. The wall came through and, and hit me. Fuck and was, me. Yeah. And that was, uh, like I say, it was an airburst round. So an airburst round, it kind of hits the ground, yeah. explodes and punches in again. So if you're in a trench or something, you still get yeah, yeah. like Yeah, it came through the wall and smashed me. So, um, yeah, I was in um, man down after that. So um, That's fucking... um, that is outrageous that they didn't. Oh, f- that's fucking wound me up a little bit, actually. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> they don't listen. Like, you literally just said, you're too close and we're winning the firefight. Yeah. Why are you firing that? That's it. I mean, I mean, I, don't, I used to be like, you know, oh, can't say this, can't say that. But, you know, these days I, I don't really sort of give a fuck, really. You know, I'm out yeah. of the army. I've been out since 2012. But prior to me, prior to this um, forward operating officer blowing me up, um, he also did, this was like the build up to this, he did two probably the most stupidest things I've ever seen someone do on operational tours. Um, again, when we was up in Kajaki, he took a photograph with a digital camera in an ambush at night time with a digital camera and we was compromised with a flash because he wanted a picture next to the um, GPMGs in the killing group of an ambush. So, yeah, this is the sort of mentality. So yeah, when fucking I was, ambush as well. I I hold my hands up. We're all fucking combat cameramen, but there's a time and a place for fucking taking an alley photo. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Fucking hell. Was it, was it an officer as well? Like, yeah, same officer, captain. Yeah, he... Uh, oh, that, that yeah. sums it up. He was in the admin group of uh, of the ambush. And he actually crawled into the killing group and uh, decided he was going to get a picture next to one of the GPMG at night time. And I was in the left-hand cutoff group, complete radio science, standard ambush drills, also, I saw this flash and went, what the fuck was that? And I went, I don't know, one of the blokes was that a camera? I said, well, someone's in the shit next to the sergeant major's come on the uh, on the radio and he's like, ambush compromise, make your way back to the, uh, back, make, make, make your way back to the fob. And that I was like, someone is going to get Fucking it. hell. And mate, when I got back into the camp, um, and it was like, you know, when someone's in the shit, it's that whole hollow square. Yeah, yeah, hollow, hollow square now. Yeah. <laughs> all the blokes are stood there going, what the fuck? And the sergeant just like, right. Which one of you fuckers pick a fucking ambush? <laughs> Everyone's like that, fucking like that. And his like, me. Uh, Sergeant Major, uh, yeah, that, that was me. And then the Sergeant Major's like, right, everyone fuck off. I was like, no, hang on a minute. I said, if that was one of the blokes, they'd have yeah. to fucking get kicked out of them. They'd be fucking that. The blokes would get, literally lynch them. Um, and this bloke, he got two extra radio stags. As you know, if you get a radio stag, you're in camp while the, while the blokes are on the ground. Yeah. Brave, you know, mate. You've got, Fucking basically chilled out listening. So and then the next thing after we did after that, he um we come we was working out of a patrol base um called Fort Robinson, which was not far from Sangin. And um most of these patrol bases are on high ground. It's always, you know, the, the four hundred meter sprint to get in, sort of thing, you know, the old yeah. and all that sort of shit. And uh it's you know, it's a lick running up with all the kit with all the heat and everything else. But I, I always said as a commander. You, you get paid the extra money to be switched on even when you're fucking hanging out your ass. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, came well, you get promoted. Yeah, and 100%. And um, came in, unloaded my blokes, um, brought them to one side. He brought his guys in. He's like, yeah, unload like this. And um, I was like, boss, one of your blokes has still got a magazine on his weapon. He's like, fucking, that's all, dear. Shut the fuck up. Uh, it's, it's yeah. like, I took a step back. He's been clear. Boom. 
this lad finally. Oh, uh, Andy as well. Cheers. Cheers. And I turned around to the boss. I said to him then, I said, boss, I said, you're either going to hurt someone, mate, or you're going to fucking kill someone. And in two weeks later, he blew me up. He fucking blew me up. Cheers for that. Cheers, mate. Don't hold any resentment, mate. You're shit. Yeah. <laughs> mate, to be fair, we didn't have anything quite as fucking dramatic as that. But we had a we had an officer who was a bit of a fucking cowboy. He wa- he basically wanted to take some alley pictures with a with a teddy bear that is yeah that's right you heard with a teddy bear that his missus gave him. So he made a climb three mile mountain in Kandahar so that he could have photos up the mountain with this teddy bear. Right? Do you know what his excuse was to send us up there with full ECM kit everything? They might put IEDs up there. Well, up a fucking mountain. I don't fucking think so, you cunt. We got back. I weighed my kit. I had 135 pounds of kit. That's like a nine and a half stone man. Yeah. Oh, my, no wonder I went from five foot... Well, no, I was almost five foot eight when I joined the fucking military. Now five foot six. There's a reason for that. I decompressed. <laughs> but there was another one as well. The best one, right, was uh, we were just literally about to go out on a... Um, we're about to go and take over Fob Luke in Kandahar. So he pulled up, obviously got our rifles out of the fucking ISO, all that sort of shit. Got ready, pulled up, ready to load up at the uh, the fucking checkpoint to go out. And then the boss comes over and he's like, Tomo, did you, uh, did you pick up my rifle? I'm like, sorry, what? And then I still remember today, one of my closest mates, Dan Schiffer, he lives down the road from me now. He went, boss, did, did you just ask him if he picked up your IW, which stands for Midgel Weapon System? Did it, did, that's your weapon? And he was like, oh, we're going to have to go back and get my rifle. So you forgot your rifle. Can you imagine if one of the lads forgot his own rifle? You yeah. fucking clown. Um, yeah. But he, my, uh, t- he wasn't the worst boss in the world. He did some fucking stupid things like that. But he was a previous uh, reservist, right. like, um, lower ranks like us lot. And then he's obviously got commissioned, joined the regiment full time, and he still holds that resentment to the fucking lads that fucking gave him shit. He was a fucking clown, mate. Uh, <laughs> we had, uh, we had a, this was in Iraq. Uh, we had a, a platoon commander and uh he, he left his helmet behind at one of these like uh, iraqi border forts right oh he left it on the ground <laughs> yeah. instead, instead of like um uh, saying bloke uh, come on, i've left my helmet back so i can get it he grabbed one of the other blokes helmet which was way too small for his head yeah this bloke had a fucking sang ahead you know what i mean and he put it on his helmet on his head, and everyone was like boss that isn't your helmet it's like yeah it is Definitely like, is. Hundred percent, my helmet. So you've yeah. got a massive. You've got a massive head. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad because I fully understand they're highly educated fucking blokes that have gone to obviously university and private school and whatnot. Yeah. But you shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's I, like. I, I've always like I don't know why in my head I've always thought you, you surely you just get promoted and then all of a sudden you're an officer. I like yeah. when I was a kid that was my thinking. It was like yeah. oh, I'm going to go through my years of service and eventually I'll be I don't know fucking general or something. That was my logic when I was a kid. And then it was like when you actually get in, 
I remember. Like, we were quite lucky with that officer that I had in Kandahar because he had done previous tours to Iraq and then came out to Kandahar with us. And then you look at some of the fucking new, new breed that come in and you're like, I don't understand your logic behind any of it. We had a strange mix, mate. We had brand new officers and then we had uh, tax sergeants in that were on like basic training for the last 10 years. Okay. So they're like, they hadn't been on tour for like 10 years. And then they're like, we're going to give you all this gen. We're going to give it all and you're going to do it. And we're like, hands up. Uh, we, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> We're not fighting in the Cold War anymore, mate. That's not, uh, it's fucking madness. But the, yeah. the RF regiment was always backwards like that in, in terms of progression. Until they brought in the Lance Corporal rank, it, we were we were stuck because it was like yeah. you're a you're a senior air craftsman until you get corporal. And you're like, okay, well, I'm doing a Lance Jack's role and I should be a corporal now. I can't because the corporals haven't been promoted to sergeants because the sergeants have done 36 years. <laughs> it's like, can you, it's like dead man shoes. Can you guys fuck off so we can progress these fucking troops? Yeah. Like you got like yeah. SACs that have done fucking nearly 10 years. It's madness. Yeah. Uh, we always have platoon commanders and that we like new platoon commanders, Travis Sandhurst. They're, they're in a rifle company for like two years and it's just the same exercises. You know, they all need the same ticks in the box and that. You know, yeah. some of the senior blokes, you know, done it seven or eight times, whatever like that. And they're like, new boss all super keen and like, like boss, come on, man. Oh, we've done super keen time. as well, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. keen. Fuck. Oh. No. Yeah, I mean, some of them as well. We just get they just get beasted by the blokes. I mean, once they find a weakness in them, that's it. They just fucking smash. Oh them. yeah, as uh, yeah, we gave them some shit. We had a uh, we had a leave and do. <laughs> well, we turned it into a Christmas party, but it was in October yeah. because we left at the end of October. But it was our Christmas party. We had all the families down, and I remember our boss turned up and he had this fu- very attractive young lady appeared with him, and we were like, "How the fuck's he done that?" We were like, you've you've paid for that, haven't you, boss? How much is she a night? And that was literally that was it for the whole night. It was like, how much you pay for her, boss? And he's like, uh, stumbling. You're like, yeah, she's definitely a hooker, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant. brilliant. What I'm gonna do, Mike, because we've got two minutes left yeah. on this one. I'm gonna hang up oh, and send okay. a new link, and then we'll about forty minutes, and then. Otherwise, we'll we'll be we'll be getting into a conversation. We'll be like ah, and it goes fucking dead, and it annoys me. Leave it with me. I'll send it over to you. Stand by for the ad breaks. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> we'll use that for the ad breaks. I don't because I haven't got any sponsor. Well, I have. I've got one sponsor. But anyway, so we we went on a hell of a tangent there. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, the fucking team did a fantastic job with the medivac getting you out. Was it was it Mert that got you out? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. so um, obviously, big shout uh, out to Mert. Commander two, I see both man down. Um, so yeah, it was one of my toms. Um, who's actual now? Sergeant Major now. Uh, oh, he was the first on. I mean, I'll never forget. Sorry, mate. I was, I was saying like frozen fair play. Oh, sorry, you froze there. Did I freeze? Or you're right. Yeah, I think we both froze at the same time. 
Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, it's no, the same um, fair play that he stayed in and Sergeant Major now. Fucking fair play to you. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's done well, right? Yeah, but I, I'll never forget I'm, uh, when I got after I hit, um, I'm thinking, got where's the medic? And it wasn't our usual medic. It was different medic from Brigade. That's our normal one, Power Edge guy, was actually on, on R&R at the time. So this guy from Brigade. And he was in more shock than what I was. I remember crawling towards him. And then my, my rifle ran over, punched him square in the face and was like, what fucking good are you to us? And literally stamped on his headlight in this doorway. And I was trying to crawl away, thinking was someone else was going to come in again. And then he was like, where are you going? That sat on me, which freaking hurt because all my ribs were busted. I was busted up pretty bad as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he tourniqueted my arm and leg, gave me morphine. And in there, the blokes, another medic from another platoon, Ran across 100 metres across open ground to get to me to put fluids in and everything. And yeah, the blokes got me on the stretcher and ran me out there to um, HLS. I mean, from what I was told, it was about just over a mile they had to cover. Um, okay, get me out. They dropped me a couple of times. Wow. You probably <laughs> and, deserve uh, I, <laughs> Sorry? You probably deserve that for something. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't forget. It got to this like, ditch. Just, just threw me into this water and we kind of like sat there going, fuck it now. And then I... So I'm grabbing me the back of the body armor, just dragging up, a, up the bank sort of thing. So yeah, they did a great job to get me out. And then yeah, Mert was there waiting. After that was it on there. Like, and fair, Sebastian. Fucking fair play to yeah. not a lot of um, I, did, I mean uh, not a lot of praise gets given to the battlefield medics. No, no, not at all. And um, the lads that fucking deal with it, even if it, the battlefield medic isn't if the bad gets hurt. Like the yeah. drills and drills that well, most infantry fucking soldiers possess in, in oh, that yeah. term. Like, uh, not even anywhere near that scale, but we had it on um, a live exercise where we had the amputees in action. And I remember watching our, our medic just fucking melt, turn, turn to shit. And I was like, this isn't even, this isn't even real. Yeah. This is an exercise and you've melted. And I went, I was like saying to our boss, I was like, she's she's not good enough to come out with us. She did. She yeah. did with us, standard. But yeah, fair play to the fucking Battlefield Medics. Yeah, I did a great job. I mean, this was sort of five months since the blokes have been quite hardened up by seeing their yeah. mates get good, if not killed. So um, yeah, I mean, see how the guys worked on me. And, you know, it sort of, um, I was always. Um, I was always fair, but also quite tough on my blokes, you know. Um, yeah, I get that. If we yeah. was back in Colchester, and there'd be like blokes, you know, sitting around all, you know, sat in their rooms, just fucking playing PlayStation, whatever. I'd be like, right, let's take a couple of weapons out, do some low-level training. The blokes are like, come on, do you know what I mean? I'm saying, hey, now, we're going on this fucking tour. Yeah. If I get whacked, one of you fucking blokes have got to take over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And in that day, it kind of, for me, it was a proud moment to see my blokes treat me in that professional that he did was was quite quite something so yeah, yeah proud of that we, we used to curse so our, our tax sergeant on a flight on 15 squadron when we went to kandahar he was the the squadron lead medic fucking uber bfa he was mate he fucking used to work yeah. on the ambulances and all sorts but he would we would literally walk through the hangar and he would shout fucking cat a fucking right leg amputee deal with it and you're like, literally just literally just walking through the hangar and you'd be like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Then you'd like get your tourniquet on, self-medicate, all that sort of stuff. And then your mate would come over and check it, blah, blah, blah. Bosh, skills and drills sorted. And he was like, we were like, fucking hell, Stoney, will you chill the fuck out? 
we're not even deploying yet. And he's like, no, but we are soon. And you need to know this shit, like the back of your hand. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, definitely. at the time, you're like, fucking dickhead. But then when yeah. you look back on it, you're like, I'm so fucking glad he did that. Because I know for a fact that if one of the lads got hit, you know exactly what you're doing. Well, this is it. I mean, this is what I told my blokes. I said, you know, we're going to, if something hits the fan, I said, it's probably pointing at the newest bloke in the section and goes, it's probably going to be you that's going to have to treat one of us. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the way, Todd's law, it's always the new bloke. Fucking hell. I mean, look at, you know, three power in, in Kajak when they walked in the minefield. They had young private soldiers there dealing with yeah. catastrophic amputations. Do you know what I mean? So it's just, um, just goes to show, it doesn't matter who you are and what experience you've got. It's, you know, it's, it's the guys on the ground that's first, you know, first hands-on experience. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I just my boss and my boat were amazing. Absolutely chuffed to bits of them. But, yeah, uh, on the helicopter, and then they give you all the drugs in the world. And uh, I can't remember there. Uh, I felt this rubbing on my head when I was getting carried out. And then they took my helmet off on the helicopter. The a bit of shrapnel like that sticking on top of my helmet. So I knew I'd been hit pretty bad as well. And all my body yeah. armor, that was all smashed to bits as well. And, you had to keep the track yeah, Sorry? Did they let you keep the shrapnel? I kept my boot. Well, my sergeant presented me in my boot. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking mad, isn't it? He's like, there the you go. I tell you what, I'm Yeah, the little fucking thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, there wasn't a single mark on the front of it, but the back of it looked like it'd been ripped apart, like, do you know yeah. what I mean? But, um, yeah, he gave me that. So there you go. It's a souvenir oh, that. that. You know, oh, I yeah. A, a good buddy of mine, Robbo, Stuart Robinson, he... Um, he lost both his legs in a, in a IED in Bastion on our last tour. Um, and he was presented his, basically the, the top of his rifle, where it was all fucking bent in from the, yeah. he got presented that. And I was like, that's, that's cool as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, when I got hit, that was one of my other biggest worries was that all my grenades, my phosphorus, everything else. Yeah, like that, of course. Cool. My body armor. Amanda, you got all the fucking Gucci shit. <laughs> yeah, and I, honestly, I thought I, I was trying to get them to get the grenades out of my pouch. I thought they were going to go off. And I thought that phosphorus goes off. I'm going to be in fucking Uber clip. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, so, you're going to be you're going to be crispy, mate. If that goes off. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was just like, um, but yeah, I mean, luckily none of that shit went off. But uh, that was on my mind as well. I mean, one thing at the. Um, Good old Sedexo, when I de-kitted, uh, just as I was getting um, medically discharged, um, they tried billing me for six rifle magazines and uh, a laser rangefinder. Fuck and off. I was like, no, nah, Jen. Um, <laughs> I was like, what are these? Six magazines and, uh, and a laser rangefinder. They were like, yeah, um, you haven't got a movie. I said, right, six magazines were blown up with me on, on operations and my laser rangefinder was blown up as well. They wanted to charge me, what was it, something like... 12 grand or something for a laser rangefinder and oh, um and then was it uh was it 10 quid a mag isn't it or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was just like nah I, I said no i'm not paying it so we got to this like civvies you know it's dex and everything and yeah. i was just like that we went up to the rsm and he was like what i was just like yeah he said right brings up the phone like some fucking yeah. stinking snippy down there he's like yeah. well, can, you, can you have a word with these cunts have a word with these yeah. cunts anyway we're doing down, fucking mess yeah. meals but this is taking a piss yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> we ended up when they were just like, um, right, have you got this? I went, I'll tell you what, I had my whole entire 1157 with me when I got blown up. And this boat just went, I'll tell you what, I'll just draw a line through the whole lot. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I was quite lucky. You know, I DT kitting. But yeah, they tried billing me for that when I got fucking waxed. So I was just like, ah, fucking hell. Yeah. I, was quite, I was quite lucky when I, when I 
finally left when I was doing my D kit. They were they were literally like, do you want any of this stuff? Because I, I we had fucking RAF blokes that were still working. It wasn't civvies at the time. They were like, do you want any of this? It was like, in my head, I should have I should have kept some fucking better stuff than I did. I was like, can I have my number one jacket? And then I literally just had a shirt yeah. from each tour or each bit of uniform that I wore the shirt off. So I had the obviously the the greens, the desert, the M M C M T P M T P, and then the the fucking new one. MTP, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, 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 that's all I want. Yeah. I should have fucking kept my helmet. I should have <laughs> should have kept me fucking yeah. had all sorts of fucking zombie apocalypse coming up. But yeah, I'm quite I'm quite cool. I kept my parents and everything like that. that was quite cool so yeah, uh, yeah kept most of that oh, I wasn't as so, yeah. alley as that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so obviously yeah. obviously losing losing the leg what, what yeah what was the like thoughts and feelings going through your head when you were going through that that stage that you you lost your mate um <laughs> your, your what, um, what leg was at the scene or uh, right leg Oh, uh, kicking leg. Didn't play football. Yeah. Right leg. Oh, there he okay. is. Hello, yeah, mate. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, right I'm leg. Doing 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 knee, so in the amputee world, it's, uh, yeah, it's a scratch in the amputee world right below the knee. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, nice I can do everything I did before, so I'm quite lucky. But when you say that, uh, what you want, how it felt, what, at the scene or... Um, sort of after when all the adrenaline's gone you, you're sort of back on your own did, did, was it was it gone straight away or was it an opt to fucking chop uh, up? Oh, well it was gone it was gone at the scene but that's obviously tied it all, tied it all yeah, up yeah, I yeah. think back, back at the hospital and everything so uh, so yeah but what was it like when you were sort of left on your own as it were that we were you fucking um so the first the first thing i sort of remember really was main thing was been back in back in birmingham selly oak hospital and um just because my arm got hit pretty badly as well i nearly lost the arm as well i mean i've had 40 plus yeah, operations on my left arm yeah and uh for me it's actually that the arms are worse or injury than the leg to be honest i mean it's kind of i've learned to adapt with it and things like that but yeah it's kind of um pretty fucked to be honest but it's um you know you know just try my goal was to leave hospital and put me to put a pair of jeans and a, a jumper on and walk out and no one actually know what's wrong with me i think i kind yeah, of like yeah. achieved but um but yeah i mean for me it was the fact of in, in birmingham you were surrounded by you had to look left or right and there was someone 10 times worse off than you and mm. um you know everyone was like fucking hell it's below the knee it's a scratch you know i'm, I'm double above the knee or you know an arm. I mean, I always think arms are worse than than legs. To be honest, I mean, technology's got better now with regards to prosthetics. Especially arms, if it's uh, hand. you have to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I tell people about my left hand. I say it was a bad, um, bad masturbating accident. I said, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, sat, I sat into it, went numb, and then uh, started um, I started pain gun. myself a bit, and then uh, it started coming out my arm and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> few people believe. That as well. People will leave anything, so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, oh, but yeah, like I say, you had to look left or right of you, and there was there was someone 10 times worse off. I mean, some of the lads that have been burned, I mean, 
horrendously burn. I mean, just the screams just cut through you. Yeah, like, I, I'm sure constantly in pain. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't want to sound like too inhumane towards like the amputee world, but yeah, being having an amputee and then being having an amputee and then being burnt as well. Yeah, like fuck. Like I've seen the bloke that's part of um, is it Black Rifle Coffee? Is li- this is proper fucking military humor? Even even the Americans get yeah. it. I think it, I think he literally has his Instagram handle is crispy. <laughs> he's he's burnt to shit. He's got I think he's lost his leg and and I I, I was like watching him. Yeah. I was like, but he is literally li- still living his best life, even though he's proper fucked. Yeah, you you proper fucked. And yeah. I'm like I'm like watching. Proper fucked. Wow, like like. To be fair, my, my regiment's motto is through adversity, but what you guys go through that and you you're very modest in the fact that you say it's just a scratch in the amputee world that you've lost just like you basically your shin in your foot. But still to a yeah. a, 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 a regular human like me, that's mental. But it's also that yeah, sort of I mean... robust resilience that you're sort of not just because you're a para, but because you're a military person, it's sort of like put into you, isn't it? As well. Yeah, you, I mean, yeah. Like you pulled your leg up and I had a little laugh a second. It was like, all right. A woman could use that as a dildo, but To be honest, I wish it was the other leg. I would have got some, of some shit tattoos if it had been the other leg. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, like I say, for me, it was just, um, like I say, I mean, I spent a long time in Birmingham and uh, it was just the fact of, guys that came in and you know the guys with um traumatic brain injuries as well i mean it's a it's a different world you know mm. it's kind of with an amputation you can see a prosthetic leg yeah you know, and you can kind of go oh you know that guy's lost an arm that guy's lost a leg or lost two limbs three limbs whatever but um as a head injury you can't see anything and like the guy that got blown up with me my uh my tic um you know, he was he was affected with his short term memory. Now, me and you would be like, I'd be like, oh, Tomo, where, where's my keys? And you're like, they're fucking there, you idiot. They're in front of you. But genuinely, like Jen, my my mate, he literally couldn't remember. What, he's like a goldfish. Like, he couldn't remember what yeah. he did like half an hour ago. Um, and it really affected him massively. You know, he, he lost half his head. He had to have a, a plate put in his head and all stuff. And all you could see was a small little cut here and one at the back. It looked like he'd been in a bar fight. It looked like he'd been bottled or something. You know yeah, nobody I mean? no, 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 no. That's the, it's the crazy thing about that sort of injury as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's as though he's sort of got like, I know it's a traumatic brain injury, like you said. It's like he's got dementia already. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, th- th- these guys, that you know, you used to be down at Headley Court. They've got to learn to talk again. They've got to learn yeah. to walk again. It's like, it's like a kid. It's like a baby again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then... Problem you get, especially being military blokes um, and having that aggression. And when they've got a brain injury, yeah. you know, they come across as quite aggressive or their, their yeah. speech. I, I, could, I, I can see that happening as well. Yeah. Definitely. You know, the speech is slurred and they sound like they're drunk. So straight away, because they're covered in toes, they're big guys, all the rest of it, they, they, people find them threatening and daunting. Do you know what I mean? And the fact is, yeah. it's not, they've got a brain injury, but they've got nothing they can see. But it's fire walking. We're in the prosthetic limb. People go, oh yeah, are you, are you, you know, you military and all this stuff. Oh, so I because uh, I, I've seen. I've, obviously, I went through your Instagram because I'm a stalker, yeah. but obviously, I went through your Instagram, <laughs> and 
what I had what I liked was the fact that in in certain photos like you at number 10 you're wearing like long trousers and things like that yeah I always wondered because you tend to see a lot of amputees that tend to wear like shorts and things is that because yeah because the leg gets caught or is that just or is it um, like a, the main I don't want to sound like a dick but is that like a show-off thing no, like, no, no, no. by the way I've I've lost my no. leg have a look do you know what I mean I I wear I'm like a postman I do wear shorts quite a lot of the time and the main reason being it's uh, my biggest hindrance as an amputee is sweating now they yeah. say because even though you've lost a limb you st- this is what I've heard you still have the same amount of volume of blood in your body which mm. obviously that keeps you yeah of course like yeah, yeah. so even in winter I'm, I'm fucking hot and like guys that are double amputees triple amputees they're, they're cutting around in shorts and a vest because they're just you know hot all the time but yeah. it's also for me it's um i this this is this thing here right this is my leg liner so then we can really see it right so this goes over my leg now this imagine wearing a military sock right and it's an issued an issued sock then putting your foot in a bin bag and then putting your boot on that's what this feels like so it's like sweating you know and that's, that's, i can if i'm doing my training whatever like that yeah i can empty it out and it's like like emptying like a, a, a welly boot full of water. So oh, it's good to. Do you know what? I never, I that, never even know, thought um, of that. That you guys. That sounds yeah. you guys. But I'm going to pigeonhole you, motherfuckers. Never, I never literally <laughs> thought that like amputees and that would never even cross my mind that you would have the same amount of blood flow as a regular oh, I didn't know. Uh, person. That sounds wrong. Yeah. Isn't it? I'm going to say it because I'm an idiot. Yeah, but. Because obviously, and then you obviously, because that amount of blood and water, you're still going to get, you're going to get fucking red hot. Like I had Mark Allblood yeah. on a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, probably last year. I never even thought to ask him about that sort of stuff. Yeah. And he's, he's, no, he's, uh, he's, he's triple, isn't he? Triple amputee, Mark. Yeah, Mark, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, I mean, that's what... That's what I was told by a, a double amputee. That, that, that that makes sense. Sort of makes sense because obviously, yeah. if you if you go and give blood, your yeah. body will then go. I need to replace that. Replace that. So yeah. of course it, it's gone. I'm going to replace that, and then you're like, "Fucking hell, I'm hot, mate." Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, for me, that's, that's my biggest hindrance. I don't. I don't suffer from phantom pain. I don't get anything else. Like that. For me, it's sweating, and from the result of that. Is then you get these fucking gopping pressure sores, and it's, it looks like a little pimple. But imagine, yeah. like this is my, this is my leg here. Right? He is. And imagine, like this bit of plastic pushing against like a like a blister, basically. Yeah. It's, it's not very nice. Um, yeah, I bet. It's good if you if you wear shorts, you can literally just push a button. I can take my leg off, and it's just rather than like take your jeans down and all the rest of it. Some guys wear a big suspension sleeve that comes up to their groin. If they're below yeah. knee and all the rest of it, and if you're wearing jeans now, it's another layer. So that's why a lot of guys wear it. You know, yeah. obviously this, do you know what? I was well. I was always very ignorant. I think it's more acceptable in the public eye. Yeah, yeah. I was always very ignorant with it. I was always sort of like, are they wearing that because it's a talking point? Oh yeah, I've had my I lost yeah. my leg, or is it a function a, a functional point? If that makes sense. Yeah, but, I think I think well, so. I think it's a mixture of both in a way because also I think also this day and age as well it's more acceptable. Like if you would have gone back, I don't know, even back to the Falcon sort of time, you know, amputees and that were kind of like shut away. 
Whereas since yeah. the Iraq and Afghan conflict, you know, guys are kind of proud and like prosthetics look pretty cool now. Um, it's oh yeah, my, my mate Robbo's got fucking Marvel fucking sleeves and all. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got thirteen different legs for different stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's pretty. I've got more shoes. You know, it's uh, yeah. But yeah, it's um, definitely it's it's an ease factor for sure. I mean, um, especially for like like double amputees and that as well. You know, yeah, yeah. That's that's a fair point. Like, it's it's a it's a it's a strangely fascinating thing. Because obviously yeah. it's not as shunned as it was. It was like you just said, it was like fucking hell, he's lost his yeah. leg. I'm not gonna talk to him, he's lost yeah. his leg. What what I mean for me, I I I love it with it like um obviously kids, you know, kids are innocent and they, they look at you yeah. and they want to stare, whereas adults they, they think you're fucking like Iron Man, mate. Yeah, they love it. And you know, for me, it's um I'd rather, you know, I hate it when the parents go like, Oh, don't look. And I'm like, no, it's cool, come over. Come and look, come and look. And... That's what that's how I right, yeah. generally if I lost yeah. anything on tour or whatever, I'd be like, Yeah, yeah. come and ask me, I'll tell you exactly what yeah. what is what. Because there's no point in being like, Don't look at him or he might be embarrassed. He's yeah. not embarrassed, he's got that for a reason, especially veterans. Yeah. Like, if you're if you've got exactly. diabetes, that's something different. Like you just need to go to the gym. Yeah. I mean also as well, it's like um I do quite a lot of talks um in schools now with disabilities. Because now awesome. there's a lot more kids now going to school with disabilities, where again, you know, probably before yeah. our sort of time and that yeah, kids our time. We, we had a way. When I when I was at primary school, we had the unit was our yeah. disabled section. You, yeah. And then when I went exactly, to the yeah. unit, and it was like, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I told my missus this. Like, we, we had a thing uh, at my school where we would take the Kilda unit out on like an exercise, like, f- like high ropes and things like that. And you have to sort of guide them through it. Yeah. My brother did it, smashed it. I went to go and do it, and they went, you're not coming. I was like, what? I'm the fucking. I'm one of the school captains. I, 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 I'm the basketball captain. Went, let me come and do it. And they went, nah, you'd you'd take the piss. That was literally what the fucking head of the department said to me. You would take the piss. I went, I would not take the piss out of disabled people. That's yeah. Yeah. that's that's against my code. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the. I mean, when I was at school, like the kids with disabilities and that, you know, they were kind of shut away. You know, the yeah. percent they'll put there whereas yeah. now more kids now that you know that are born with disabilities um that are more accepted now and like for me it was i was invited to my like my daughter's school and you know because a lot of the kids are seeing me drop my daughter off and they'll just like um wanted to ask but didn't so the head teacher invited me in did an assembly to call my legs in took some military stuff along as well That's and cool. i passed them all around and explained the pa- even the parents came and sit in and watched because they were like did you know how to approach in. it, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, and that's definitely, you know, it's, it's much rubber. You definitely yeah. took the maroon lid in and was like, Have you seen that? Yeah, earn that. <laughs> yeah, don't touch <laughs> it. Don't touch <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, fair. Yeah. Look at me, look away. So, but you then took that from strength to strength, and you obviously then started doing different challenges. You ran fucking half marathon. I can't even run a half marathon. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I've got both yeah. legs. 
Yeah. But then again, well, was, but then again, was, one of my legs yeah. or both of my legs get tired. You you've got an advantage. <laughs> I'm missing half of what three quarters of a leg. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Nah, that, uh, that's just me taking the piss because because generally, uh, generally it's a it's a fucking inspiration, mate. Generally, it generally is the fact that you've run half a marathon and now you're doing the the different boxing stuff. It's fucking yeah. Big. I mean. It all started off, um, so when I, I mean, I, I discharged myself from Headley Court, probably the, the worst thing I could have ever done. Um, I got to the point, because I've been, you've got to think, like, with pre-deployment training, the tour itself, being injured, I mean, I spent nearly a year at Celio Hospital because I got MRSA and everything else. It was my arm, because I still have my arm. They kept operating and operating on that as well. And time I got to Headley Court, like, all my... Um, all the power blokes have been fixed or fixed a degree and moved on, either discharged or gone back to back to their regiment. And then it was like other regiments coming through. And I was just thinking, oh, no, when am I ever going to get out of this sort of thing? And then I got to the point, once I got the leg and I was like, I'm out of here. And I went back to two power. Um, I shouldn't have gone back really, but I was like, I lived there and I was kind of like, you know, give me a job. And then the RSM was like, can't, you P0, shouldn't even be on camp. And um, he ended up sticking me as the uh, provost sergeant, which was all right for a couple of months. But then I got fucking standard skip with everything. You know, blokes were going on leave and I was there on rear party and all that sort of shit. Anyway, <laughs> digress. But um, but it was literally when I got went to civilian street, I realised how good like, the military re- rehabilitation system yeah, yeah. was. Like, we all chuckled about it. But literally, you're lucky from civilian street if you get half an hour a week of like, yeah. Gen- genuinely right i'm not gonna even compare to the fucking rehab that you had to do but i i've literally got glass ankles i will walk down a right. fucking i'll walk down a straight road and i'll roll my ankle for literally no reason and yeah. I, w- I was saying to me old man i was because I my old man has got exactly the same problem my old man was a pji for 2-2 sas he was the jump instructor for yeah. them and i thought yeah. his ankles were bad because of his parachute jump no, no. Apparently, what? it's a hereditary thing. Brilliant. No. I met. I remember. I came off my Lance Corporal course because I rolled both my ankles on a on a tab. Literally, fucking rolled them both, and I was like, "I'm in clip." I I literally. It was one of those. I wanted to get promoted, but also I was like, I can barely walk, and I'll get recoursed if I fucking carry on. So I went to. And I was sat in, I remember he sat in the uh, physio chair and he came up to me and he went, Put, push your foot against my hand. And I was doing it and he went, all right, we'll, we'll try your left foot. And I did that and he went, How many, are, are you are you part of two squadron? Are you, have you got your wings? I was like, no. And he went, how many parachute jumps have you done? And I went, I haven't done any. And he went, you have literally gotten almost no ligament in your ankle. He went, it's a miracle that you've got through any sort of basic training or anything like that. I remember going through basic training, rolling my ankles. And I got sent to the med center and they were like, oh, no, no, strap it up. You'll be fine. I was like, OK, cool. But long story short, I went and did some physio on it because it was it was I was fucked. But they gave me the fucking rubber bands and all that. I was doing the rubber bands. I remember being in the gym watching fucking everybody else work out like a fucking animal. And I was there with these fucking rubber bands on my legs. And I was like, I ain't doing this shit. And it was like, nah, I'm done. I went, I don't, I don't need any physio. Worst mistake I ever did, genuinely. I was yeah. like, 
because they're still fucked now. <laughs> I remember playing. I did a char- I did a charity football match for Rock to Recovery um, two uh, two years ago. In the middle of midfield, I turned to go and run after the ball and rolled my ankle. And I remember fucking doing it, and I was in fucking agony. And I remember punching the floor. Carried on playing the rest of the game as I do because I'm a fucking idiot. My missus said to me at the end of the game, she went, you hurt yourself then, didn't you? Did you really hurt yourself? I went, yeah, I fucking really did. She went, that's because you've got no ankles, have you? I'm like, ah, I'm fucking shit. And there you go. Uh, I just compared myself to an amputee. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I roll. You know, what, was, uh, what, what I was going to say as well was... Um, but no, my point was... My point was the, I should have carried on with the physio. It was free yeah. physio. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't realise you always think the grass is greener on the other side. Um, but like I said when I when I left the army, um, I was living in Northampton at the time, and then I was assigned to this physio centre at Northampton Hospital, and I, I rocked up on my mountain bike, like bike there, and this physio come running out, going, "What are you doing?" you shouldn't be riding a bike. And I was just like, why not? And she was just like, what happens if you fall off? I went, do you ride a bike? What happens if you fall off? She said, why don't you ride a bike? And I went, exactly. This is this is what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah. We're all just speculating right, that everyone should now have lost a lid and that I should be put in a box wrapped in cotton wool, not doing anything. I mean, the way the NHS looked at me, it was kind of like um, they basically wanted me to live downstairs. They didn't want me using the stairs. They wanted to make sure I had a downstairs toilet. I could eat and drink. And that I should be sleeping on the sofa, if not have a bed downstairs. That was all. That was as long as I had that. Yeah. I mean, I ticked all their boxes, and I wasn't classed as high risk. Um, and I was just like, "Fuck this!" I said, "You know, this in this is why when people, um, no disrespect to people, when they suffer massive trauma injuries, they kind of wrap themselves in cotton wool because these yeah, yeah. fucking specialists tell them that they can't can't do that. So that kind of set me on my journey to go. I'm going to prove to these fucktards. Oh. Oh, I think that's my daughter waking up. I'm going to prove <laughs> to these people that um, um, that I can go on to do better, bigger, better things. Like you know, so uh, yeah, that's my journey of doing. Um, first thing I did, I did the mud run. So first thing I did, one of those oh, tough play. mudders sort of things. Yeah, she did so, tough yeah, mudder, and then you went on half marathon. Um, half marathon, did the Royal Parks half marathon. Um, and then did the um, after that. What did I do after that? Um, I think I, did, I went to boxing after that. So yeah. To be yeah, fair, the, the, the whole boxing thing fucking intrigued me a lot. I think that's the reason why I I think we mentioned it in the first in the first part of the series. Yeah. Was you were like how did yeah. I find you? I remember seeing that you were boxing, and I was like, he's only got one leg, <laughs> and it fucking intrigued. It genuinely intrigued me because I, I box, um, and I have boxed. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's fucking incredible. Because obviously a lot, uh, not a lot of people realise how much effort goes into your legs when you're boxing. They're like, well, it's, it's your fucking arms, mate. Mm, yeah, yeah. But your power yeah. is generated through your legs. Yeah, yeah. You know someone who can punch when they, when they, when they obviously, from yeah, their yeah. Legs, you can tell some difference, you know, with, with their moving their legs. But yeah, it was... Um, I just thought I just wanted to throw myself in there and just thought what else can I do to change myself and to prove to other people that I don't want, I don't want to come across like look at me look how great I am yeah what I'm trying to do is just no, show like people that. that it's not all doom and gloom you you could you can 
you want me to do a hundred percent better like in, i don't like using the term but able-bodied people but you can always adjust it change it a little bit yeah to suit how of course you are, so that that, yeah. that that's what I like about it, and that's that's what is the big inspiration I feel with what you're doing, is the fact that you are doing what able people bodies can do. Look, look at the fucking yeah. size of you as well, by the way. Fair play to you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, just train. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I love it. It's it's been my. I mean, for for me, people always talk about mental health and things like that. For me, training's always been my thing, you know, ever since, even before I joined up, it was always about, you know. I totally agree. And I know a lot of people go, Tomo, look at yourself at the minute, by the way. Yeah, all right. I let myself go a little bit. And um, as soon as I let myself go, that's when I was like, fucking hell, my mental health has gone on a a downward here. Yeah. I've always been a physical person ever since even before the fucking military, I was a personal trainer before I joined the military. Yeah. And it was like, up until like basically COVID hit when I couldn't get to the gym and I was a bit lazy, say a bit lazy. I was a lot lazy. And then I got a bit bigger and I was like, you know, do you know what I mean? When you look, walk past a fucking window or something, you're like, Jesus Christ, what's happened to you? You fucking prick. But it's like, definitely. When I'm training, I'm a completely different person to the person that is just fat cunt that sat on the sofa going, you know, you're going to pass me some more Skittles or not. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was quite lucky in lockdown one. I was, I was actually, um, I was actually homeless in lockdown one. I was actually, homeless. I actually lived in a gym. Um, oh. through lockdown one, two, yeah. and three. I mean, everyone was like, you're so lucky living in a gym, but. It was all right for an hour of the day, but I didn't see, I didn't yeah. see anyone because I was, I was on the industrial estate. I didn't, it's, like, it's like an apocalypse. I literally walk open the door and just go, hello, and didn't speak to anyone. And if I was lucky on <laughs> Thursday, if the wind was blowing my direction, I'd hear the people clapping for the NHS. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, that was, that was it's tough. crazy, though, isn't it? People, people do say that. Oh, you're lucky you live. Like, my dad used to own a gym back at, back before I joined up, and he was like, oh, you, you're lucky you own a gym. Yeah. yeah. I, I've lived... I live there. I work, yeah. I train, and then when I want to go home, I'm still pretty much at the gym. I don't. It's I don't sit there and go right. What I'm going to do for 24 hours is lift weights because I'm mental. Yeah, just mate. Yeah. Tell you what, I was going to ask before, before the fucking clock dies on us again. Alfie Pope. Do you know Alfie Pope? Signal's gone, is it? Oh, you back? I know Alfie Pope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm back. You back? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I think we're ready. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Yeah, Alfie Alfie Pope is. I've known Alfie Pope since before I joined the Air Force because he gave me shit for joining the Air Force Regiment. And um, when, when. I I came back off basic training just before, oh no, just after his first injury, which was the severed Achilles, yeah. I believe, by an IED. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. going out on the piss with him in Harrison. It was an RPG. He got, he got, he got that was it. by an RPG, didn't he? Took his ankle off. Or took yes. His heel off. Yeah. yes. So I went out on the piss with him in Hereford, which is both our hometowns. And, um, he was on his crutches. He was giving me shit constantly because I was obviously Air Force Regiment. 
he was like, you're not fucking airborne. All this. I was like, cool. I went, I can still drink you under the table, even if you are on your crutches, you cunt. And um, <laughs> that was until he went, Tomo, we're, we're going to get on the airborne water. And I was like, what the fuck are you on about airborne water? And he went, right, we're going to have, I think, what was it? Seven clear shots topped off with a dash of lemonade. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I will fucking drink that. And he went, it's airborne water, my son. You're not going to be able to drink it. I went through about three or four of those in a Weatherspoons, this was. And then I remember walking out of the Weatherspoons and the fucking air hit me. <laughs> and I always said to him, I went, Alfie, I need your fucking crutches, mate. I'm fucked. <laughs> you know, really, yeah. But well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm two-point Mike now these days. I think I hardly drink at all. I think if I had drank one pint, I'd be out Fucking madness, yeah. but he's a he's a fucking top lad, Alfie. And he did um, podcast. He did say he was going to come on because he's um he's recently oh fucking hell taking his own did their choice of taking his own leg off, didn't he? Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I get it. It's um he was in a lot of pain, I believe. He didn't do uh, he just a lot of pain. Surgery wasn't working, and in, in these um surgeons will keep offering you offering you offering you things like that and it gets to the point of like how much of my body am i prepared to sacrifice in order for something to work and it's yeah, yeah. um yeah it, it's uh you know it's like me now i've had skin grafts bone grafts nerve grafts that you just like but every time people come visit me they're like you've got more bands on you now than you have when you first come in i was like oh they've chopped a bit off here they've moved a bit over yeah. here they've done this they've done that it just gets to a point where it's like fuck off leave me alone do you know what i mean so yeah. Definitely, I know exactly what you mean. Well, I don't. I don't know exactly what you mean. That was a complete lie. But I can I can empathise with what you mean. That's what I probably meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> but now um, I've I've since gone on to um, just recently trained a guardsman who's an amputee as well. Uh, he won his first fight. Oh, brilliant! Do you know what, Mike? Pretty cool. Oh, you got to come back. Tell you what, we'll do. We'll do. Sorry, buddy. We're gonna. I'll. I'll send you one more link. We won't do the full Hello. forty minutes. I got you. Yeah, we won't do the full forty minutes because it's about to cut off, and I want. I want the rest of this story. Okay. I'll send you the link, mate. Boom. Sorry, mate. My daughter came down the stairs just then. That's, so I just... that's all good, mate. I, I know exactly the feeling. <laughs> they tend to come all the way down to the shed and start knocking on the door. I've had it. I have it when um, if I'm doing it during the day on like a weekend, and I'm like, "Daddy will be in the shed." I'm recording, and then I'll get, "Daddy, fucking Sophia's being a dick." It's like, whoa, language. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean definitely. Fucking girls, mate. Girls. So you you were saying you've um you helped a guardsman out with his boxing. Yes, yeah, so um a guy called Mark Smith, he's quite uh, well known on um sort of social media. He um he was his story is he was shocked six six times in a train exercise, like firing exercise. Um right. as a result, he lost his leg above the knee, but he, he went on to be six times in a training exercise. Yeah, in Canada, yeah, yeah. He, um, Fucking hell. Brassed up and yeah, so uh 
But you know, hitting the femoral in the leg, and it, that's what kind of made yeah. him lose his leg above the knee. But he went on to be, he done a series of bodybuilding, what's got him, out, got him um, um, for his rehab. And then he um, went on to be Britain's disabled strongest man, world's disabled strongest man, won the Arnold's as well. Um, and now then he went into uh, amputees. He went from 30 stone um, as a strong man. And then now he's um, does amputee football. And um, he made it into the England amputee football team. But like women's football, there's no money in it. So he had to self-fund it. But he could have quite easily gone on social media and crowdfunded all the rest of it. But he wanted to earn it. So he came to me and was like, Mike, I want you to teach me how to box. So uh, I was just like... Fucking hell, do you know what I mean? Because he's above knee as well, so it's a whole different world with amputations with above the knee. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, he's got, he's got about six inches of a thigh. That's all he's like, got left. Like we said, the, the punch power come, basically comes for your legs. So if you've still got yeah. your quad. Yeah. And a big thing in the knee as well, the knee is such a huge um, factor yeah, of it. Yeah, movement. Yeah. Oh. And um, I was like, okay, um, right then. So we, we started training. Um, I've trained people in my garage here where I live. And uh, yeah, um, so we had to find another amputee, which is obviously hard as well. Because um, most um, above knee amputees, when we box out of wheelchairs and things like that, which he didn't want to do, he wanted to do it. Yeah, he wanted up. to do it standing. Okay, I can get that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it turns out the guy that torn a cave my leg, uh, his brother, who's a civilian, nothing to do with the military, He's above knee amputee as well, lost his leg to cancer. Really? And um, he started boxing because he saw me boxing. So I brought these two people together yeah. as a result of me boxing. You brought and, these uh, two people together to beat fuck out of each other. Yeah, basically. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Love that. And, uh, they, um, they fought, when was it? Uh, been about six weeks ago now. And uh, my guy, Mark, won, won the fight uh, on a split decision. But what a fight. What a fight. Um, but to see two guys above knee fighting as well, you know, it was full respect to them both. And uh, for me, it was great. You know, first person I ever trained and got a win as well. So, yeah, yeah. it was good as well. So, so uh, had, you, had you boxed before? The um, uh, only sort of you guys milled and things like that. Yeah, that's not that's unboxing. boxing, but obviously, no. the, the, the Power Reg has quite a distinguished boxing team. Did you not? Yeah, you three, three power, yeah, three power are the boxing sort of team. Then, oh, is it three power, power that's the boxing team? Yeah, yeah so I know, uh, I'm, I know, obviously, um, Marshman and a few yeah. of the other UFC fighters. Yeah, or, I think there's a, is it two UFC fighters and a couple of pro boxers? Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, all, all sort of come from three power. And even if you're in one of the other battalions, you're good at boxing, you'll get moved over to three power. Ah, I got you. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get um, you. We had a couple of guys from two power that were, were, were pretty good. Um, and then they moved over to fight for three power for that. But you're literally, that, that is you. You're just boxing. Oh, well, yeah. It. Obviously, they're either boxing or fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking is apparently three power motors or yeah redheads. <laughs> apparently redheads, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so, going to get so your take on that being being power edge. All, all I'm going to say on that is is um yeah, the blokes just don't screw them up for themselves. You know these phones yeah. and that. You know what? I literally I uh, said the same thing to the to the lads on my fucking on my WhatsApp group because they were like Tomo, how are you getting all this stuff? And I went, it's on fucking line what do you mean how am i yeah. getting this stuff i i got it originally from when my mate's in the rf regiment that's the first person who yes me. that's where i got it from i was like yeah and i was like jesus christ and i sent it to the the lads in my fucking whatsapp group and they're like why why can't people just screw the net and not 
video yeah. why would you have to video it this this is it mate. i mean stuff like it's been going on for years do you know what i mean yeah you know we've all every camp's got a you know i won't throw my mates under the bus but we got our no. own but everyone's every camp has got has got one though do you know what i mean, yeah, I mean we, the fact we, that these we, guys, used call, we used to call our ones frogs because they would jump from rock to rock yeah yeah, they were our yeah. frogs. They were our frogs, but um, yeah, it, I was just I was bamboozled by it. I was like, "Why are you filming it?" But the fact it's not the fact that there's like one. It's like each separate occasion where there wherever she was, someone was filming that fucking shit. Yeah, like come on, fellas, this is not fucking OnlyFans. No, and because there's so many platforms out there now, you know, with TikTok and fucking whatever else was out there. Do you know what I mean? It just it just goes. Like that is mental. Within, we did. We, we, we could even go back it back to fucking my regiment lot. So my regiment lot were in the paper for it was literally my squadron that I was, it, that I was part of with the mortar tube. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you know what's funny about that? I got oh. the blame for that. <laughs> Instantly. Yeah. No. Genuinely. Genuinely. I. I had a message from a, a buddy of mine that's on on basics now. I served with him on on the squadron. A very good friend of mine. He was like, "Tomo, why did you sell that story to the Sun newspaper?" And I was like, "What the fuck are you on about?" He went, "You sold the story to the Sun newspaper. I've been told so that you could fund your podcast." And I went, "What?" I went, "If I was going to fund my podcast, I wouldn't be sat in my shed, yeah, with a MacBook that was bought by my dad." <laughs> you know, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, and also, if you knew anything about me, why would I set a story about lads? I went, yeah. that's not what I'm about yeah, at all. Definitely. Madness, mate. But yeah, it's, technology um, these days, my man. Definitely, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's um, yeah, it's what gets the boats into the shit. I mean, it's all it's all sorts of rumors flying around about free power can't deploy now and some. I did hear that. Be put on or something. So yeah, it's just kind of. Yeah, I saw. I, I saw that. Thing is, I, think, I get. I get all my gen from fill your boots because uh, it laugh. With um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know the guy does fill your boots as well. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's so, yeah, some bloke, isn't he? Yeah. 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 He's uh. He's all right. He's a good lad. But yeah. You know what? Back 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 in we'll give it a few years like back in a few years time like um i i used to get wound up by fill your boots because it was obviously always regiment my regiment related it was like oh these shit yeah. can't lower. and i used to bite on that shit i used to bite so bad because i'm like we're not fucking shit we didn't shoot our own body armor we don't do the five mile of death this is bullshit and it's like now i'm like i literally just do that i just fucking laugh i'm like this is fucking ridiculous yeah and I look at it, I'm like, why would I have, why did I use it wound up by this? Like, uh, proper, you're, you're proud going away, aren't you? You're proud. Yeah, I think, I, but then again, everyone's proud of, yeah. but you're also sort of drilled into you to be proud of the regiment that you serve with. 100%. Yeah. It's like my mate, he's a, he's RF regiment. He's like, there's something went out and that three boots and they're doing some drill thing and they've got like literally their, Rifle magazines are glowing up. Oh, mate, that yeah, sixty-three in it with their yeah. fucking glowing. Mike saying they've got one of these things coming up again soon, and he's gone. He goes, I've gone on the fucking sick, so I don't have to fucking do it. He's Mad, mate. I yeah. 
it's one of those with with the drill stuff because obviously we, we you're gonna get shit for it. Sixty three squadron are fucking brilliant at drill. Not that yeah. anyone wants to be proud to be good at drill because it's fucking shit. <laughs> but it's like, but also you watch it, it as a civilian. You'd watch that and go, "That's fucking cool." Look at their fucking rifles glow up. But as a fucking military bloke, you're like, what are you, fucking Luke Skywalker? Are you fucking lightsaber? What are you doing, you cunt? You know what I mean? It's madness. It's like, I'm not a drill fucking soldier. I'm a fucking soldier soldier. It's like, we get all this shit, like five mile of death and all that bullshit. But even the biggest thing that always got me was that bloke that said the five mile of death. Yeah. Scouse Taylor, his name is. Yeah, yeah. He was part of uh, SFSG. He served with with you boys. I can't remember which who he was with. If it was three or two, um, but he was he was attached to uh, a parachute regiment at, at some. He's actually a fucking alley bloke. Yeah. And then he said that in a fuck. He was he. To be fair, he was fucking mental. By the way. <laughs> I could, I could imagine. Um, it, it, I remember we were on um, live firing during our final exercise on what was our infant, infantry phase on field gunners. And I misheard a fucking communication between fucking someone. And with these ears, you can't get away with that shit. And he was like, what's your, what's your fucking name? And I was like, Thompson um, Flight. And he was like, Thompson. He went, yeah. He went, so you can hear me. And I went, yeah. And he went, Put your fucking head in that waddy. And I was like, uh, all right. So I smashed my head in this fucking little stream that was um, but pulled it out and he went, Can you hear me now? And I was like, Yes, fine. He went, put it in again. So I put my fucking head in again. Pulled it out and he went, Now fucking give the command that I just fucking told you to give. And I was like, yes, yes, flight, yeah, yeah. You're fucking, but then oh no, I was like proper switched on. It was it was fucking mad. And I was like, why is this guy getting so much hate? He's actually fucking. As mental as he is, he's a switched on fucking woke. But he happened to make the mistake to say you could stand toe to toe with the Paris and the Marines and say, I am, because we ran yeah. five miles. But, bit then, didn't they? <laughs> but they did, mate, because I, I, to be fair, right, I don't know if this was just my course or the fucking all the others that we did in our infantry phase. We did not do five miles. We did fuck it. I can't even tell you how far it was, but it was it was further than five miles and it was all the kit all the bomb and we did a 24-hour firefight in fucking taking positions losing positions into trench positions fucking foxhole firing all fucking all sorts it was madness for literally 24 hours and it was index and i was i've never been so hanging in my life yeah. seeing the fucking uh white angels come over when you've done the fucking <laughs> exercise i was like thank fuck for that and then you watch that video and you're like, that was fucking easy. <laughs> I was like, we did ours in Otterburn and Otterburn is horrible. Like, yeah. it literally pissed it down for, we were there for three weeks. It pissed it down for at least, well, predominantly the three weeks. We had about two days where it was clear. And on those two days where it was nice and sunshine, we had to do fucking river crossings. It was like we weren't dry for the whole fucking three weeks that we were there. It was fucking hanging. We've all been there. Sounds horrendous. We've all been there, my son. We've all been there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. What, what is 
in the horizon for you then what what's the next challenge that you're doing if you're doing one um well, I'm quite enjoying or you um, hitting people some more. I'm quite enjoying teaching, training people with boxing now. Um, Fair play. I've got a real mixture of they're all most of them. Well, I've had one military guy, but um, most of them are civilian. But they've all come with like their their own stories as well. Like yeah. um, I've got people who've suffered from domestic violence. Um, people like young lads and that have got autism, bullying. Um, I've even got older people that have been bullied and stuff like that. So. And it, for me, it's just, I just love giving back and helping people out, really. I see some of the people that I've been training and when they come through the, when they first met them, couldn't throw a single punch and now they're like rapid, it, you know what I mean? And I just think I get a buzz out of that. It's um, good, isn't it? It is good. I thought about fighting again as well, but I'm, I'm 39 now. I'm like, God, you know, up against 20 year olds, it, it's not the same. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it don't, you only keep beating up little kids, do you? So, uh, me getting beaten up by little kids, that's the thing, you know? <laughs> well, that's even worse. Yeah, I do get the um, I get I get the coaching aspect of it. I I took uh, two of my mates that ended up doing white collar fights. Yeah, I, I ended up doing a bit of their training because I don't. You you must have known about the different white collar boxing events and things like that. And for me, they don't get enough. Yes, they get the eight week training package. But yeah. eight weeks, it doesn't yeah. take you eight weeks to learn how to box. No, I get a lot of white-collar guys come to me, and the thing is they get is it's a group session. You know, yes. not really it's not coaches, mate. And, no. and as you know, when you're boxing, you need that one-on-one. And I, 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 I go boxing on a Monday night at the minute with a, with a local lot, and they, they've noticed that I have boxed and can box. So they put me with the other guys that can box and have boxed. And it's different when you have someone that can't hold pads to someone who can hold pads. Yeah, 100%. Because you get get the more, the the better movement, that it's a better workout as such. It's so so much hard work to train with someone who can't box. Oh, it, yeah, it's, I mean, it's good when you're the coach and you're training them to box because then you can yeah. teach them how to do it. But when you're white-collar boxing, you get put with Joe Bloggs, who's never thrown a punch before, and you're like, oh, brilliant. You're going to yeah. you're gonna get me to the next level so I can fight my opponent. Yeah, so I, did, I, did, I did a white-collar boxing, and uh, the bloke I fought was... Well, he was at least 6'2", so that's a good six inches above me in height but he was also 20 kilos heavier than me at that yeah, time that's huge. It's huge massive and luckily for me I, I i said it to my missus like afterwards i was like i was never i was never going to lose that fight with you watching i was like that wasn't going to happen yeah not in a white collar match if it was a proper match i could understand losing but a white collar match i was never going down in front of my missus that wasn't happening do you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> and i was like by someone who's 20 kilos heavier it's, it's, it's a game changer it's yeah um, but but luckily for me I, I i took it serious yeah i was in a fight camp i was like i was on a strict diet i was uh like mondays and thursdays were two a days the rest of the week yeah. was like training sessions whether it is boxing or not boxing but i was like i'm taking this fucking seriously and then this guy obviously wasn't 
because he got knocked out. Nice, but, well done. But do you, do, you know, do you know what I mean? With the white, I can understand why they would come to you for extra sessions. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I get quite a few. Um, I've got I get quite a few Eastern European guys come to me, love like white collars and things and that as well. And you know they've got forty five seconds in the tank, and it's now yeah, time. It's, it's to coach them to yeah control. Also, everyone in in white collar. Um, Everyone goes headhunting in white collar, yes. you know, and you know yourself. You, you throw just a just a jab to someone's body, and you know you can kind of you can kind of take it in the face a little bit, you know. As long as you're Gen- generally, my, that's exactly what I did in my fight. Yeah. I hit him in the stomach. I must have hit him in the stomach at least eighty percent of my punches were going yeah. to me. And then yes, I don't care how big or tough you are. They, they and then, when I when I knew it was time, it was uh, I did a fake. I remember it now. I did a fake to the body, jab yeah, yeah. to the head, and then I did a full right hand. That was the first one. Like a, it was basically a straight right, and he sort of wobbled, and it was a standing eight count because he he did he did fucking wobble. Yeah. And the next next couple was I was hooking him to the body, and then I threw a right uppercut to the to the chin, which he sort of blocked. And as he blocked it, I came down and went an overhand right, and he he was fucking gone. Nice, nice. And yeah. I was like, because I knew it. I was like, I'm not going to eat him in this fucking flabby belly. I went, yeah, he's not going to take that. And like you said, yeah, sure. Nice. It, like I said, I always say people can condition themselves a little bit to get punched in the face, and you know, it hurts whenever you can kind of take. But you know, when you hit someone, everyone knows what it's like to be winded, and it's not it's nice. Worse, worse and, feeling. As soon as you hear that air exhale someone's body, it kind of then puts you on a, to go in on the on the on the yeah. attack, you know. So it's kind of, uh, but yeah, I, I always tell people I don't care how big how tough you are, you take one to the body properly, and you even see the pros, you know, they'll take it. You hear that? Oh one, yeah. That sort of my, my, my my favorite second, and they take a knee, don't they? That's it. Take the eight count. I'd rather take an eight count, you know, with a body shot. Ricky Hatton was my favorite. I've got a photo of his um, famous body body shots oh, yeah, I was supposed to go and see him fight on the 2nd of July but they put it back to I was literally going to say what, what's your take on him getting back in the ring oh, I think it's great you've seen um, from in front of social media he's lost like lost all his weight oh, he's, mate. Like, when he how was much fighting. weight he lost things like that genuinely it gives me inspiration because I'm, I'm a chunky fucker at the minute I'm not supposed to be this big and um, I'm like Ricky Atten's done it look at the size on that yeah. Yeah, I went and listened to his um, he like a motivational talk after he got uh, knocked out by Pacquiao, and uh, I remember watching was... that, mate. I remember watching that in Iraq. Yeah, because I was like, "Fucking Hatton's gonna do fucking Pacquiao." I went. He went ten rounds in Mayweather. Yes, he he was held, and there was a lot of things against him in the Mayweather fight. I I believe. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, "He's gonna do Pacquiao." Pacquiao's fucking come up two weight classes. He's not gonna. Not gonna last, and I remember watching it, and I was like, like those fucking two minutes or whatever it was, I was I was devastated. Yeah, I cried I when he lost well. fucking Mayweather. That's how invested I was. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was because I, I was a week or something, and I went along to it, and, like put on loads of weight, and literally there was like a table with a pint of Guinness on it, and um, he. Um, Literally came out, necked this pint of Guinness, put it back. This, this fucking chick ran out, replaced the empty glass with a fresh pint, 
and he was talking for about an hour and a half. He must have sunk about eight pints of Guinness, but he talked about the Pacquiao yeah, yeah. fight, he talked about the Mayweather fight. It, it was brilliant, really, really good. It, um, it, but yeah, a, it's... I love Ricky Atten. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I think that he was. He's a. He, to quote what we were just talking about, he's a white collar fighter. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I fucking love you. Him and Joe Kazaki were. Oh, I've got so much respect for Joe Kazaki. He came down to Headley Court. There was a lad. Um, oh, really? He was um, three para. He was a PTI down at Purbright, and um, he was on his way back to camp, um, driving back to Purbright, and uh, a deer ran across the road. He was on the windy roads going into camp as he swerved and hit a tree. And it put him in a wheelchair. And this lad was like three power boxing champion. He's weight, weight class, super fit, PTI. And he was he was paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, Spitcher gone. And the bloke was just traumatized, you know, from being super fit to, to being in a wheelchair. And he's like, That's got to be the worst. It, uh, uh, as, especially as like, like fucking infantry minded you guys are. He's a PTI, yeah. fit as yeah. fuck. And uh, like I say, yeah, his mum had to like feed him for a fucking straw and everything. Anyway, Joe Kazak, because this guy was from Wales, and Joe Kazaki came down to Headley Court and sat with him for about two hours off his own back, bought some gloves down, signed him and everything, but sat with him. Joe Kazaki was in like tears, like he obviously I think he kind of knew the family or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. And, uh, he was destined for big things, this lad, for boxing. And uh, yeah, just, um, but yeah, just a genuine. Um, Decent bloke, Joe Kazak, because there's loads of fucking bellends that came uh, down. Yeah, to I was gonna, I was gonna say there's loads of bellends. And there's loads of, all... with, with you guys at Headley Court, there must have been loads of bellends that were just in it for the the PR stuff. Oh, 100. I mean, the whole X Factor thing. You know, you, you could just tell things like Simon. Oh fuck just... yeah! Was that during your your time when you were there? When yeah, they yeah. Song? So I remember, like, um, I was on the ward, and um, the RSM of Headley Court, she came up and was like. Right, X Factor are here. Um, you know, you guys have got to come. I was like, what do I fucking want to do that? Not interested in the slightest. And she was like, you need to come down. You need to wear your regiment T-shirt. Be really good for the newspaper. So I went down wearing a fucking Iron Maiden T-shirt. <laughs> she was yeah. like, uh, Probably. Oh, you, should, you should be wearing you should be wearing your power T-shirt. I was like, no, I'm doing that. I've been a publicity stunt. Anyway, I had, um, uh, who was the band? What are they called? Uh, it's like a boy band in X Factor 2008. I don't know what they are now. Oh fucking! Hell, I can't forget their names. Anyway, they they all did like a group hug around me. I'm in my wheelchair like this, and they came around and they were like, "Yeah, man, we know what it's been like to be shot. Like we're all from the, we're all from the streets." And I was just like, "Get the fuck away from me now!" No. Fucking... Ah, what? Jealous. I was like, "You're from fuck. You're educated. You're fucking educated. You can look at that. You know what I mean?" I was just like, "I had to wheel. I was like, um, I'm a jack getting wheeled off. Do you know what I mean?" So. uh yeah, I'd be a running. I, I told um, Ross Kemp to fuck off as well. Um, Genuine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't his fault. He was in the wrong place, wrong time. I think it was like I um, <laughs> I'd had some um, horrendous infection in my arm, and Headley quite this big thing about um, if soldiers failed to turn up to an appointment, they were going to be charged. And um, really? I had this, yeah, I had this appointment to go back up to Birmingham. And they'd forgot to book my transport. And I was sat down at the guardroom for like an hour and a half, fucking freezing my nuts off in a wheelchair. So I wheeled myself back up. And um, I said to the nurse, I was like, where's the transport? And they're like, oh, sorry, we forgot to book it. I was like, hang on, you just briefed the blokes up. saying you're going to charge them for missing an appointment. I've just been sat down there with an infected arm. There's a chance I might lose it. 
and you're saying um, you've just put you put my put my transport anyway. Ross Kemp comes up and he's like, "Can I help here?" And I was like, "You can fuck up as well. You can't like that." And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got wheeled Wait, off. And, fucking um, zippy. Fuck yeah, off. I was like, uh, I was like uh, Father Jack going, getting wheeled off down the corridor. Like, <laughs> It's, oh, uh, you've got, you got a lot of bell ends that turned up. Um, I bet. Is a, a Jen question for you. Did you ever want to do Invictus Games? Um, I, I'll be honest, right? I um, I tried out for Invictus Games for powerlifting and yeah. I did quite well in the tryouts and stuff like that. And uh, when I went to the final interview and they found out how I was injured by a friendly fighter, and they said I wouldn't be able to say that on TV um, because it's kind of showing that the, um, the, the the military were at fault for my injuries. Wow. And they couldn't promote that. And uh, I was like, they wanted me to change my story to say I was hit by a IED or something like that. And I went, no, because my family know what's happened to me. My friend and I, yeah. if I'm on TV. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you went on fucking telly, yeah. all your fucking two power muckers watching you and you went, Oh, I got hit by OD. They'd be like, "No, he fucking didn't." Yeah, he was blown yeah. up by a fucking Rupert. They didn't know where the fucking danger zone was. Exactly. I've got a mate of mine as well. Same tour as me. Two power. He was a sergeant. Uh, two power mortar sergeant. Um, blew his arm off on a uh, mortar. Um, it wasn't a misfired mortar. It was literally there was a. They, they dropped the bomb down the tube. It hadn't even hit the firing pin. It swelled up in the barrel. Yeah, yeah. And four or five commander had mentioned barrel three was a bit faulty, and um, obviously they got the big clamps they use on to get the misfired round out. And um, my mate, he thought, right, this barrel's a bit dodgy. I'll, I'll restore faith in the blokes. I'll do the first misfire on this round. And anyway, he put the clamp on, and all he done was push the bomb down. It hit the firing pin, came off, and fucking took his forearm off. Um, anyway, he's gone on to play. He plays golf now with one arm, and he's fucking good. Mate. He's I fucking can't play good. golf with two arms, mate. No. He's like happy doing it, <laughs> one arm, you know what I mean? And uh, he um, he tried out for the Invictus Games for golf and he spent the best part of a year qualifying to be in the Invictus Games, right? And uh, got to the final interview and again, he was just like, said, well, what happened to you? And he was like, oh, you know, misfired round and a mortal and all like this. They're like, we can't promote that. We can't say the British That's military's fucking equipment mental. is at fault they for your injury. They can't promote that. Because they can't promote it to the country, to the world. Obviously, you're going to be on but, TV and all the rest of it. Yeah. But the fucking crazy thing, that shit happens. That's war. Yeah. Yeah. And not war, as it were. But ah, yeah. oh, that annoys me because they got people yeah. in there that are pretty much able-bodied. Well, this is the other thing, right? How do they put right someone with an ankle fusion? in the same category as a baloney amputee. Now, I've got a mate who's a rower, amputee rower, and he was up against someone with an ankle fusion. And he's saying, despite having an ankle fusion, he's still got an ankle to push off, whereas I've got to push up a prosthetic or push off the end yeah. of my stump. You can't feel that. Right. Yeah, so... It's not there. You know, I, I totally agree, mate. Um, it's, it's fucking... That, that, that is, that's mind-boggling, yeah, generally. Yeah, it's, I'm quite open about that. And I'm yeah, I, I like the fact that you are, because I'm a big advocate for Invictus Games. Obviously, like I said, my mate Robbo did wheelchair yeah. rugby, and now he is part of the Olympic team that won gold in fucking yeah. Tokyo. No, don't get me wrong, it's been... And, and I, I was always, genuinely, I was always like, fucking, they're doing brilliant stuff. And then when you hear, it's, it, I know it's only a side thing, but it's like, 
but that that happens. It, yeah. You don't, so, see, I mean, you don't see the Americans going, oh, you can't promote him, he's friendly fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's mad. That's mad. That we, we, we can't have Mike Lewis on, on the show today. Why not uh, friendly fire? Would friendly you? fire. Yeah. What happened I mean, was there was a Rupert that didn't understand what danger close meant. Yeah, he's living the dream now. So last I heard, he's um he's at SRI now. Last I heard, really has he? Yeah. Uh, right, D- genuine question: Has he ever like reached out and said? When I when I was in when I was in Silly Oak, he rang me from Afghanistan from a field phone, crying down the phone, saying sorry, and um, I, my my words to him were, "You shouldn't be talking to me. You need to get yourself like legal cover because um." You know what you've done was completely wrong, and he's yeah, like, "I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Like that. And in the end, um, when he used to call up the nurse's desk, and they'll be like, "Who is it?" He'd be like, "Oh, it's uh, such and such from, from Afghanistan." I'd be like, yeah, "Ask for the name, don't worry." No, <laughs> I'd be like, um, "I'm like, I don't want to talk to them. No, I don't, don't want to speak to them at all." So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had a moment as well when I went back to Colchester. I remember I was coming back from a, um, like a physio appointment on on camp, and I was. Um, coming through camp and I walked past 7RHA's um, battalion headquarters and the CEO and the RSM jumped out the door and were like, we need to talk to you, you need to come in here. And I was just like, uh, no. And they were like, oh, we just want to talk to you about the incident that happened. And I'm like, I'm a Buckshe full screw. You're a warrant officer. You're a command officer, you know, lieutenant colonel. It, there's no way I'm going in there to view. And what they were trying to do was like to say that they'd had, because to this day, I've still not had a um, like a board of inquiry. Of what happened? I mean, I know really? what. No, I know what happened to me. I know what went wrong that day, but no one's ever sat me down and gone, right, Corporal Lewis. This is what happened on that day. This is why it happened, and this is what we're going to do about it. Now, if you go to Warminster, where they deal with the artillery firing and everything like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my ex brother-in-law, um, he was ex nine squadron uh, Royal Engineer. He um, said to me, he went down to Warminster and said. You never fucking guess what, Mike. And I was like, what? He goes, the DS down there, use your incident of Hurricane. You know, this happened to um, a, a platoon in Afghanistan um, when artillery hit. This is what this is not how you call artillery. And so the army's recognized they've recognized they've it, and they're not compensated. No, but what they did said to me was they put my incident down to what they call combat immunity, meaning because I was engaged in enemy forces and shooting the bad guys. It's tough shit. Shit happens, which I oh, get. That, that, that's that's wound me up, and I wasn't even part yeah. of the incident. Yeah, that's I get, but you know, I mean, they said if I'd been walking down the street, no, no, you, you, it's one of those. I'd probably be the same sort of shoe at, as you. I'd be like, yeah, fucking war that happens. But when you, as a outsider looking in, you're like, hang on a minute, a fucking Rupert has done something, and. And I'll not- tell you something, Tom, though, right? If, if this would have happened, right? So because of the regiment I served with, right? Now, if that officer in a firefight had run across me and I didn't see him and I had shot him by pure accident, not, not actual aimed at him, yeah, yeah, yeah. ran across my line of fire and I shot him, because of the regiment I was in and the cat badge I served under, I would have been hung out to dry yeah. in, sun- in one of the media newspapers and it would have been paratrooper shoots innocent officer. Because of the way the the regiment is, you know, everything else. Yeah, yeah. On the front yeah. page, they put a guy with a berry with a blurred out face with a GPMG 
looking mean and Ali as fuck and gone like this guy like shot and I would have been literally hung out to drive for it but with him things very everything was like buttoned down very very quickly you know it was um, yeah and like I said you know he knew he was in the wrong because I said he wouldn't have called me up in hospital it is, it's one of those what you know who you know isn't it it's yeah. bollocks yeah. is what it yeah, is exactly I mean I'm just for me I'm just glad that no one was killed in that incident or yeah. Uh, if the brad had come over the wall, he would have wiped out a whole platoon. So I'm just glad it didn't come over the wall because the whole platoon was in that compound. So it would have been would have been a mess. Do you know what I mean? So he's just lucky that he hasn't killed anyone. You know what I mean? And, so and unfortunately for that officer, he now as much as he's phoned you up crying and that, he needs to really think about he don't may, get me wrong. Really I mean, think about it because he as as beneficial as it is could be now for you in terms of your boxing your other uh, fucking charity events and things like that you're doing sure but also he sort of ruined your career 100% i mean i for that for me on that tour um my my goal was to go on selection after that tour and you know try out and go special forces that was yeah, that yeah. was the goal I kind of feel that was kind of taken away from me. Um, Definitely was. Don't get me wrong, being injured has closed a lot of doors for me, but it's also opened up a lot of other new doors. Um, And I could say I'm just glad that mentally I'm fine um, and my injuries are fine. That's always a fact. They're mentally things. But it's just, um, yeah, I mean, I just still say to this day, it could have been 100% 100 been. avoided i mean the way i looked at it was he was out to get a name for himself he wanted a medal on that tour um you know it was because uh, it was a company net he was constantly whatever the oc said he would repeat it it's like fucking hell do you know what i mean just shut the fuck up all the time yeah yeah uh, um but yeah you know um but like i say i mean people say to me oh what would you do if uh, if you bumped into him i mean i'd, I'd like to educate him um, behind closed doors for one minute <laughs> pair of boxing um, yeah just yeah um, well, 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 well tell you what we'll give you three minutes three minutes oh that'd be good yeah yeah that'd be nice give you three yeah, minutes three minutes what happens if he fills me in though uh, and <laughs> tell you what uh, but, no. but it's one of those it's the old it's the old fucking it's the old fucking thing in it is you do it and then if it's yeah. done it's done they, yeah, I mean, I I just like to say to him, I just I just say what it'd what be would nice go to your head to 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 do it face to face, would like just you and him, not anyone else. Yeah, just you and him. Just go even even if you're in a bar, not not having a fight or anything. You've got a fucking couple of glasses of whiskey or rum or fucking a couple of pints or whatever. Not that you drink much, and you sit there and go, right, we need to air this out because. I'm missing fucking my mate or my leg. And that was your missing my foot and I've got a fucking special needs arm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Talk, talk me through your actions on that day. Go. Yeah. This is your this is your time for you to air this out. I tell you what, all he was out to do, he went, he I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there was instances on that tour where he did some artillery and did get us out of some sh- pretty shitty situations yeah but for me he should have just listened to the blokes on the ground yes that were there and that's I mean. what a lot of ruperts don't understand is no. the guys on the ground yeah. we, 
we it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're in your situation or in what my situation was like i said when we're going down barmer fucking lanes and we're vulnerable points you need to listen to the guys on the ground they have Definitely. done it they know it they've done it in fucking iraq they've done it in afghanistan they've done it in fucking even even the old sweats they've done it in fucking northern ireland yeah they know what they're fucking doing listen to the guys on the ground stop being a dickhead we get it you're young you're fucking a rupert you've got your fucking couple of pips on your fucking lapel chill the fuck out Listen to the guys on the ground. We've done it. Yeah. You're not going to get your fucking MBE being a cunt. Exactly. Boom. He probably has got an MBE. He probably has, yeah. They fucking give them out like fucking sweets at the minute, don't they? Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, fucking right. Yeah. Uh, But no, I mean, I say for me, though, it's just um, just cladding on was like, seriously, well, I say seriously, but, you know, killed in that incident, I think, for me. Definitely, mate. That that would have... That would have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, what you've got now is is terrible. And um, what Europo had and and the other lads that got hit with that friendly friendly fire or friendly fucked, because friendly fire is not friendly. Um, it, that that's a fucking disgrace as it is because they obviously didn't listen to you guys and as well as you're doing with it now, it still doesn't give you a fucking leg back or your career. Bye. No, definitely not. You know, it's uh, but you know the way you take a positive out of it. I mean, prospects are so much better now, and like I say, I mean, it's um, yeah, it's just um, I was trying for me, it's just just sort of stay positive, really. You know, to get on top of it, then I guess when all the shit really starts up, then so yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Well, Mike, I'm not going to take up any more of your time because we're literally less than a minute away before it cuts me okay, out. Okay, buddy. Cool. Again, mate, genuinely, I could have Joe Rogan the shit out of this. We could have gone for three hours. I would have yeah. finished my fucking bottle of whiskey and I would have gone in <laughs> and my missy would have been like, you're pissed. And I'm like, well, I'm pissed now, but <laughs> I moved you pissed. But no, really fucking generally, it. mate, right. thank, thank you. you very much for coming on. It's fucking been my, my fucking my pleasure, my privilege to have you on. Good genuinely. stuff. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me as well. No, thank Generally, thank you. It was fucking brilliant. Nice one. I'll catch you soon. I'll let you know yeah. when it's all out and you can do what you like with any links or whatever, but it'll be cool. out. It'll probably be out tomorrow afternoon. Cool. All right, Tomo. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, Mike. Have a good one, mate. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye, mate.